Good morning and welcome to the Dungeon Musings Podcast. My name is Kevin Madison and I will be your friendly Dungeon Muser today. Today I want to talk about designing uh, one-shot adventures. So things that you're either going to run to, you know, to highlight a game system, uh, something you might want to run at a con, uh, or something that you're doing for um, for any other reason, you know, something where you just want to fill up a, an evening with uh, something uh, a little different from the usual. I've been thinking about this quite a bit this week uh, after seeing the really terrific uh, anthology series Love, Death, and Robots. Uh, So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let's get to the episode. All right, so to frame this uh, discussion, what I want to talk about first is something that um, the uh, writer uh, Kurt Vonnegut had uh, written about uh, doing short stories, and um, he had, I guess, uh, internet famously uh, set out uh, eight different rules for structuring short stories, because short stories are different, you know, uh, from, not only, I mean, are they just shorter uh, than, like, a novel or a novella or something like that, um, short stories have a different structure, there's a much tighter period in which you've got to convey the, you know, the, the story, like, everything that's going to be happening uh, within the context of that piece. Um, so he set eight different rules, and, um, well, obviously, role-playing games are not uh, fiction, uh, you know. there I think there are some really important lessons that can be drawn from these eight different uh, rules. So the eight rules are, number one, use the stranger's time well. Make sure you're making use of whoever's reading the short story. Make sure that it um, it's getting... It's not wasting their time with extraneous stuff. You know, no fluff, no whatever. Um, give them what is necessary for the actual story. Uh, number two, give the reader a character they can root for. So they've got to have some someone to be invested in. Uh, number three, every character should want something. So it should be clear what the character actually wants. You know, there, there's an adage that the uh, drama comes from the uh, the contest of uh, of characters' wants and or the conflict between their wants and needs. And that's something that's that's worth examining. As an aside, the most recent uh, Legend of the Five Rings uh, role-playing game put out by Fantasy Flight um, actually expressly incorporates a mechanic like that, and it's really, really fucking cool. Anyway, so every character should want something. Uh, Rule number four, every sentence should reveal character or advance action. Now, obviously, that's not directly applicable to role-playing games, but it speaks to using your time wisely. Number five, um, start as close to the end. This is a really important one for uh, role-playing and I think is uh, particular for one-shots. Number six, be a sadist. Make bad things happen. You know, people want to read these short stories because they want to see the characters go through something. So do something really terrible. Similarly for uh, characters in, uh, in a role-playing game. Make sure that the session is about something. Do in, in, in that way, do horrible shit to the players so they can get themselves out of trouble. Um, number seven, uh, right to please one person. This one is, is not necessarily just applicable to um, uh, role-playing, or rather to uh, short stories, but game design in general, you know, one of the things that um, you hear over and over again when you see uh, developers talk about designing their video games is, you know, having a strong authorial uh, intent behind them. So, and I mean, I think that's true for uh, role-playing games as well, too. Um, it, just in general, in the sense that, you know, having a strong authorial voice in uh, your game that will really please some and really piss off some others, uh, or not necessarily piss off, but just it won't be for some people and it will be for some, that makes for a much stronger and more memorable game, I think. Um, in addition, uh, that, that that applies to your one-shot, too. Make sure it's about, to, like, like, if you've got a voice, if you've got a style that you'll want to run for this, do it. Go, like, really lean into it so that it is a memorable session. And, I mean, if it isn't for some of the players... Presumably, you're going to be 
you know, at a, at a con, you can't necessarily predict that, but uh, presumably if it's for a home game, you're going to be able to get a sense of whether something is really not going to be for one of your players. But, you know, um, it still is more important to have that strong voice. If one out of your five players really doesn't like it because it's just not for them, but the other four absolutely love it, well, then that's, you, I think you've done your job then. Uh, or at least you've done as close to your job as can be reasonably expected. Um, and... Uh, I mean, that maybe that's a contentious statement, but whatever. Um, well, the final one, rule eight, give as much info as soon as possible. To hell with suspense. This one I might take issue with. Um, I'm going to add two other rules as well. And these are with respect to the role-playing games because presumably what you're doing with your one-shot is that you're going to be trying to... Um, you're trying to run something that you don't normally run or you're trying to you know, run an aspect of that game that you don't normally explore or something. Like, there's some reason why you're choosing to do that. And it may very well be that you're introducing new people to a new game, be that at a con or, you know, your players to uh, to a new uh, game system. Um, in that case, then what I think that I'd add is number nine and number ten. Number nine, pick the, you know, the elements of the setting that make you the most excited. And number ten, so that's number nine and then number ten, pick the elements of the mechanics that make you the most excited. Um, so let's, that's the rules. That's rules one through 10. Let's kind of go through those things in, um, maybe what I'll do is I'll break up the next segment into uh, a block of five rules and five rules and try and organize the conversation that way. So that's the rules. All right. So let's uh, talk about the first one first here. So um, use the stranger's time. Well, uh, obviously that's you know, the stranger in this case is your players, you know, make sure that the players are actually doing stuff the whole time, you know, um, one of the things, this is going to relate to some of the choices you'll make in, in rule nine and rule 10, but, um, make sure that what you're choosing to make the, the session about is, is a meaningful thing. It's not a, you know, I think one of the things that I had to have done in the past and I have stopped doing now is running one shots as effectively like segues into a potential ongoing campaign. You know, I, I will routinely use uh, cliffhangers or things like that at the end of it. Uh, I'll, I'll tell a half story. You know, I, I did one kind of mashup that was a weird, it was a, using D&D 5th to, uh, to run a kind of um, Old West steampunky Star Wars thing. And then I effectively ended the session with the... Um, Death Star destroying Alderaan, or the sort of steampunk equivalent thereof, and I don't think that was a that was not a great way to end that, uh, largely because it didn't, you know, I mean the players felt like they just did the first act of an overall story. Um, I think what I should have done is structured it so that they were actually, you know, um, they were actually able to do the full the the full session. It wasn't just one small little thing that. Uh, that was a part of a much bigger and the better part of the story would be happening later. Uh, so uh, that's one thing is is make sure you're making use of the time. Whatever is happening in that particular session, uh, make sure that it's going to be the... Um, it's going to make, you know, they're not going to feel like they've wasted their time or they only have a part of a story. And um, that's... Uh, to do that, what you need to do is, is uh, you know, figure out what your use of time is going to be. Um, if it's a four-hour session, then you plan for that four-hour session. What am I going to do in the first hour? You know, what, what's going to happen in the next two hours? What's the big uh, finale going to be in that final hour? Um, if you've got eight hours or six hours, you know, similarly, to break out your time and figure out what's going to be happening in those sessions. You know, depending on the role-playing game you're, you're running, um, be mindful of the fact that combat tends to take longer than anything else. You know, um, 
And also a uh, rules explanation as well, too. With a one-shot, if, it's, if it is a game that, um, uh, that does uh, have uh, complicated rules or you have players who are not going to be familiar with the rules, so not only the setup, the setting, the characters, are you going to have to explain, you're also going to have to explain the rules, um, you're going to make sure that you're making good use of their time. One of the ways to do that is to steal an idea from video games and just incorporate the learning of the rules as part of that actual... Um, uh, session, you know, find ways to show them how they're going to be making uh, skill tests uh, in the game. Find, show the ways that how they're going to, you know, figure out what their abilities or what their stats mean in the game. Um, video games do this really, really well, um, and a lot of the more recent. Um, actually, you know what? A great example uh, is the Fantasy Flight box set. So the. If you happen to have any of the Star Wars introductory box sets or the Legend of the Five Rings introductory box set, those all do a really terrific job of walking the players through um, setting the world and then the um, how to, learning the the mechanics one by you know one step by one step. Um, and in that way, you're making sure that they're making good use of their time. Their any time that's spent is not just sitting sitting around talking about the mechanic. You're actually implementing it. So that's one rule, is make sure you're making use of their time well. Um, give them a character they can root for. And to do that, you got to really highlight what's really cool about the characters. Um, more often than not, you're going to be using, um, using uh, pre-gens in a one-shot, which means the characters, or players rather, are coming into this fresh. So make sure the characters are the coolest kind of thing um, that you could hope for in that setting. You know, um, you're not... Show, showcase what makes you excited about that game both uh, in terms of the character and in terms of the setting so like you know one of my favorite things in Star Wars games is uh, Mon Calamari because I, I, it's a, the Mon Calamari accent is a pretty easy one to do without really offending anybody you know because you just gotta kind of make your voice sound like this and I love doing it it's, it's funny so I introduce a lot of Mon Calamari in my game and uh in some one-shots as well, too. So I, I ran a one-shot uh, one time um, that was the... Um, it was a request for a player for his birthday, and he wanted to play Suicide Squad. And so what I did is to give them a, an opportunity to play the characters the way that... You know, and have the same experience that's in the, the Suicide Squad comics. This is well, well before the movie came out. Um, I sat down specific things that were signature character things that the players needed to do in the course of the session. They said, this is your task, you know, your checklist. So, you know, the guy who was playing King Shark had to eat someone at a dramatically inappropriate time. The guy who was playing Captain Boomerang had to betray them in a way that was going to be obvious and easily caught, you know, um, and uh, and so forth. So we, we set out different ways. Oh, uh, the guy who was playing Bizarro had to do, I can't remember what it was, uh, speak in, you know, or try and interpret the instructions or requests from other players in the most obtuse way he could. Kind of like wishes in in AD and D, so that's another way of, of like those guys knew exactly what they were doing, not only mechanically with their characters, but also um, story wise with their characters. They knew who these characters were, and they immediately had a reason to have fun role playing with them. Be it you know a silly Mon Calamari accent, or be it a you know a funny character trait, or whatever. So not just you know, giving them interesting uh, mechanical abilities that uh, they, they may have. Give them really good re good reasons to just chomp their, you know, sink their teeth into the, the pre-gen character they're going to play and, and have them understand what they're, you know, what they're going to be doing with that character, what's going to be fun about playing that character. Um, number three, um, every character should want something. This 
ties into that last point where make it clear what the characters want. You know, for a one shot, you don't need to fuss around with trying to like, oh, you're meeting at the bar. We're going to wait for you to get your, you know, your quest. You know, you can just um, just tell them what they're there for. You know, there, there's no need to fuss around. There's no need to go through the, we know, you know, everyone knows they're there for a limited time. So jump right into it. You know, one, one of my favorites um, of those um, uh, shorts from Love, uh, Death, and Robots is one called Soul Sucker. And it's, uh, it starts off with this guy uh, running along. It's an older guy uh, who, like a much older guy who's kind of an old professor type. And there's another guy who looks like a big brawny, you know, military type. And the big brawny military type, they're running along this, this old corridor. And the big brawny guy says to the other guy, the old guy, is that who I think it was? There's no way it could be what I think it was. And like, that's a fucking great way to start a game and start a, uh, or a, a game session or start the, uh, a piece of short fiction or for, short media, I should say. Cause like, I mean, I immediately, I, I care about these characters cause they're in jeopardy. I want to know what the hell it is. And I already know from the tone that it's something really crazy and important. So that was awesome, you know, and that's a good example that, uh, They've got something to care for. They need to get the hell out alive. I don't need to be told their backstory. I mean, you find, at least not at that point, I don't need to be. I find out more about it as we go on. But um, but it's a terrific, terrific example of, um, you know, how you just make it clear what the character wants. So every character, make sure they've got something that they want. Because then the players will know what they're doing in that session as well. You know, and that can be to, to check off the, you know, my Suicide Squad checklist. Uh, or it can be something like... Um, you know, that they want to recover something. If there's a MacGuffin that the characters are, are going to be looking for in this particular session, then, you know, make it clear that that's what they're doing. You're here to, like, I, I recently ran a, uh, a one-shot uh, that was set in the um, plane of uh, Innistrad, the gothic horror setting from Magic Gathering. And I made it clear from the, uh, from the outset, the guys are there because they're chasing this vampire, this vampire who stole something important. And that's, a, that's as, as much sort of context as we needed for that particular session. You know, another way to telegraph both the, the want and the, um, the, you know, the character want, or, or rather the character want, and then uh, a reason to root for the character um, is to give them something they can do, you know, get, 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 like similar to my uh, Suicide Squad checklist, you know, uh, in um, the one-shots that I ran for Astonishing Swordsman and Sorcerers of Hyperborea, I ran one for a con and I ran one for a uh, charity session. Um, what I did is uh, set out a reason, like if the character did or said, you know, X, Y, Z, then they would regain a point of Astonishing Fortune. And it was the, that's my kind of like, you know, in-game meta currency that they could use to adjust dice rolls and things like that. Um, and that's another way of them understanding their character without me having to write a big backstory or something like that. It was that, you know, you get a point when you, as the barbarian, rail against the use of sorcery. Or when you down a uh, um, an enemy or adversary who use sorcery and you bellow out, you know, some kind of triumphant thing. Uh, or or whatever, or you talk about the you know f the degeneration of uh, civilized man or something like that. You know the weakness of whatever, and the, those are just ways that uh, not only does it give uh, benefit to the player mechanically, it also gives them an easy shorthand for like, oh, this is what this character is intended to be about. So it's a quick way for them to wrap their heads around that. The box set for Legend of Five Rings actually does a pretty good job of that too, because they uh, 
uh, one of the mechanics in there is playing up your character's kind of personality, and uh, they give you a really clear ways for, for doing that in there. So that gives you a way to, to want. Next up is every sentence should either reveal character or advance action. Now, in a role-playing game, obviously you're not, you know, unless you are a massive fan of, you know, text or um, box text, uh, the kind of stuff you see that you're supposed to read aloud in modules, you're probably not going to be reading an awful lot uh, from the, um, you know, from the adventure. But I mean, if you're, if what you would prefer to do is for certain key segments in it, write out the text, no problem with that at all. You just, you know, make it sound like you're interesting and engaging when you're reading it, that's all. But anyway, the, um, what I take from that lesson or that rule is that everything that happens in the session should be important. There shouldn't be any spinning wheel stuff. You know, like for, for me, I have a really bad habit of if the players are doing something in the session, even though it's it's not necessarily related to the actual adventure they're on, um, and, it's, and everyone's having fun, like if they're talking to an NPC uh, or they're... I don't know what, like, you know, they're really involved in, in buying stuff or I don't know. Usually it's talking to an NPC that I didn't think was going to be important. Um, you know, I not often let that run. But what uh, in a one shot, though, what I do is I try to make sure that everything that's happening in that has some purpose. You know, it, it doesn't allow you to do uh, to be as, as free form as you can in some other types of games. Like a sandbox is really tricky to run as a one shot in the sense that if you're going to run it as a beginning, middle, and end story, but, um, you know, or at least a complete story and not just, you know, you wander out, stuff happens, and then it's done. That's just home movies, you know? <laughs> That's not a story. Uh, but um, what uh, what you can do is make sure that everything that's happening, every interaction with NPCs, every you know, everything that, that everything they encounter, all of that stuff has serves a larger purpose, uh, which is to make for a tight and engaging experience, something that, that makes the very best use and uh, of the time that you have at the table and um, you know makes for the, for the best uh, short gaming experience you can. Um, it's actually pretty liberating too once you do that because it you you've got a kind of battle plan of how you're going to get through that session then and that that's um, that's a, a really good way to remorselessly or uh, ruthlessly at least cut the you know the fat from your story from whatever you're planning on doing in that one session be it you know um, uncover a you know an ancient vampire's weapon or something like that or be it you know explore a lost sta- space station that really helps you figure out all right is this do I need this you know and that, that's actually one way of thinking about this thinking about these particular things um, if you're like me as a DM uh, you're going to add stuff and improv stuff anyway so you're going to have stuff that's going to take a little longer than you expect so if you approach it from the perspective that you are never going to get through as much as you hope that you're going to have to cut stuff then um, at best what you're going to do is just be a you know ruthless editor not the author of it and cut the stuff you just don't need if it isn't necessary for the session it isn't necessary to demonstrate the tone uh, the features you want to highlight in it be it the mechanics or the the setting um, whatever it is if it's not needed if it's not necessary to get to that end then you really should strongly consider cutting it because you should have only the very strongest stuff in the one shot it's not like a you know a uh, ongoing campaign where like you know if you have a looser session you can always make it up and make better headway in the next session it's it's this is it we're, we're in we're out and that's uh that needs to be a very uh tightly scripted uh experience if you want to have um you know if you want to make the best use out of that uh, time 
And then finally, number five for this segment, uh, start as close to the end. I love this bit of advice. And it's, to be honest, I had to look up most of the other rules uh, when I was preparing for this segment. But I, I, uh, that one I always, has always stuck with me. And watching Love, Death, and Robots really reminded me. I'm like, oh, yeah, these guys get it. Like, they fucking get that. You don't need to do the, here's the preamble and here's the whatever. There's there's maybe one, um, one or two of those stories that is, I feel like, a little, a little more... Uh, in Love, Death, and Robots that are a little more uh, padding at the start of the thing. I, I think that this the tone they were going for with those particular shorts, it's the one about the um, artist robot and the one about the um, yogurt taking over. Uh, those ones, I mean, they have a bit of a different uh, oddball tone to them, but I think for the purpose of like a, uh, a role-playing game, um, uh, at least a one-shot role-playing game, which is presumably going to be embracing some aspects of uh, combat, of role-playing, of exploration, um, then you're going to want to not do that. You're going to want to look to, you know, the model of, of the, um, uh, gosh, what's it called? Uh, Soul Suckers, you know, or um, my, like my favorites were uh, from that particular thing were Sunny's Edge and Shapeshifters. Uh, those two are just, wow, like they, they do an amazing job of immersing you in that world immediately getting you incredibly invested and then bringing you through the, the ringer, you know, with those characters. Uh, those characters go through uh, an incredible, uh, incredible arc in the, in the course of the, like, you know, 6 to tw- 17. I think those ones are actually a little longer, probably about 15 minutes. But it's a 15 minute uh, short film in there. Like, you, you absolutely care about those characters. You absolutely care about the environment. You, they feel like a fully flushed world without having to go through a bunch of nonsense, um, you know, exposition at the start. And they start right near the end. You know, they start right up as things are about to be fucking, you know, crazy. And that's a great way of thinking about your design for one-shot um, adventures. I've been adopting that for about a year and a half or two years now with my one-shots. And I find it it really helps me to figure out, you know, um, what I need to do to make those to make those sessions really important. To have the character sitting like, holy shit. And, you know, inadvertently, um, in my, that's actually a lesson I should have fucking known for my campaigns as well, because I've had two different campaigns that have started this year. Um, at the time of recording, it's 2019, and uh, one of the sessions, or one of the campaigns, I started just like that. It's boom, you know, players washed up on a beach, they were uh, um, shipwrecked, and they had, they were in, lost in the middle of this tundra, and they needed to find a way to, to survive. And that was it. You know, like, boom, here we go. This is what's happening. Let's go. Um, no prologue, no time on the ship, no none of that nonsense. And it was awesome. Like, we, you know, players picked up and were running with it right away. I wish I could say that was necessarily planned that way. It just sort of happened that that felt like the right way to start it. And uh, and holy crap, did it ever. Like, it just, I, I, it wasn't important what happened on the ship. It wasn't important how the characters got to that specific point. What was important is they got no food, they got no shelter, and they don't know where the hell they are, and they're full of, you know, in the middle of, of wilderness that is full of dangerous things. So they, uh, yeah, so that's a that's one good example. In contrast, my Delta Green campaign spent about three sessions navel-gazing above <laughs> setting up character and setting up suspense, and, and uh, I really did not do a very good job of, uh, of setting the, getting engagement or at least the level of engagement I think I could have got. One of the parts of the session was pretty good. Like I think the the way I initially started with this um, tense scene of one character's one player's character dying that that was I think pretty 
good. But then I, I just lost the train and like everything else was much more boring and more just characters talking. And like when you're playing a game that I have billed as, you know, Delta Green or as uh, X-Files meets Call of Cthulhu, well, they were getting neither of those things in those sessions. And what I should have done is filled that shit in as backstory as we went through the session, not starting every session with parts of a backstory. Like it just didn't do a... I I I think I could have done a much better job um, than uh, than I did with that thing. So, um, and that's and then I I mean that's obviously uh, set my chalk up to me. But I mention it only as a a, a way of saying that like the, the some of these rules um, they don't necessarily have to wait for you to run one shots either. Like some of these are equally applicable to ongoing campaigns, and it's good rules to figure out how to structure those. And, you know, I, I um, before I go on to the next segment, too, it's worth noting that, you know, uh, there is a, um, a school thought out there that thinks, like, why don't we run every session, like, as if it's a, uh, um, oh, god dang, as if it's a, um, what do you call it, uh, as if it is a uh, convention one-shot. You know, we take all this time and care to, to really make for the one campaign one shots to make them incredibly exciting and engaging and whatnot. Why don't we do the same thing with our, uh, um, with our, uh, at home games, why aren't we tr- treating every single session of those campaigns as that precious, as that, uh, you know, um, important of a time investment. Um, so anyway, lots well, of rules number one through five. Let's, uh, transition into session or section section segment segment two and or three whatever and talk about um rules six through ten all right so the next uh rule is rule number six be a sadist and this uh, what i take it to mean is to really put the players or the characters uh, i should say through the ringer and this is again a really really important one because you know um a one shot is presumably going to be just that's going to be the extent of the involvement with those characters. And the way that you make people care about the, those characters is by putting them in jeopardy, right? I think, I think by putting those, or part of the way, um, your session should, whether it's about, you know, social interaction, whether it's about physical combat, whether it's about averting the destruction of the world, whatever, make it a insanely difficult thing. Make it, or at least a monumentally you know, eventful thing. Um, I ran a, a one shot years ago for my birthday where I had each of the players, uh, playing a, uh, multiversal version of green lantern. You know, I, the, we just used the green lantern stats for it, but I had the players each come up with what, you know, pick one of the existing green lanterns. Um, at the time it was only the guy. So it was, uh, Hal Jordan, uh, John Stewart and uh, guy Gardner. And then, um, they, I had them create a multiversal version of that character. They could be from a gladiator world. They could be from a dinosaur world. They could be whatever, you know. And uh, so each of them, you know, all the players made up their backstory for the characters. Um, they all had relatively the same stats. But, um, yeah, we, we made up their characters, and then we sat down. And then what the the stakes for the session were that the basically they were from the only surviving Multiverse, only surviving universes of the entire multiverse. Um, the old character uh, Monarch was actually con- um, basically trying to go for ultimate power by condensing every universe in on on itself to pull all of the versions of himself into himself. So 
you know, an infinite amount of power coalesced into one singular form. And uh, those are some pretty fucking big stakes, you know, and once the players realize those were the stakes, um, it made for a really fun and um, meaningful session. I mean, like the fact that they were the only, and actually we had, uh, it was great because we had one player who could only make half the session. So I'd worked out with him ahead of time, like, don't worry, don't worry, I'm going to kill you. And we had one of those, you know, they, they dwindled down from a five remaining green lanterns to four remaining green lanterns. And then at that point, the, um, all the elements of his particular universe, uh, I think he was the one from the dinosaur universe, all of those faded from view. Like they were, they were in a kind of an amalgam universe that had elements of each of the five surviving universes all pulled together. The last gasp of the collapse of the multiverse, if you will. And, um, yeah. And then, uh, that, so this, that, that again, also like really raised the stakes and, uh, that boy, that, that made for a really mean, a really, um, memorable session, uh, both for the players and for myself and for the viewers. Cause I, I streamed that one as well too. Uh, so when you are, uh, planning for your one shot as well, think of well, like, what's the most trouble I can get my characters in? What's the most ridiculous threat they can face? You don't need to worry about um, uh, balance as much because then you're never going to see these characters again anyway. So if what you need to do is introduce something over the course of that one shot to uh, to allow the characters to actually deal with that scale of threat, well then fine, that's that's fine. You, you don't need to worry about the uh, later consequences of that, but uh, make it big, make it as big as you possibly can. And that doesn't necessarily mean mean, to, uh, mean that you know you are you know uh, going to destroy the uh, uh, what do you call it? destroy the world? Like they could be the last survivors of a Arctic expedition. Uh, they could be, you know, um, a family member, you know, or uh, people who are have their last can of, of food uh, in a zombie apocalypse, you know, and that they need to, to go out and, and face it. Like that that's as big a, a threat. They may they may be all dying of a terminal illness, you know, some kind of uh, radiation sickness or some other you know fantasy or or uh, what do you call it? some uh, sci fi MacGuffin. Um, Make it big, you know, and then big can be personal uh, as well as as universal. So just figure out whatever it is that's going to be big for your world. Think of the stuff you could never get away with in an ongoing campaign. You know, um, have Waterdeep torn to pe- you know torn to pieces by zombies. You know, have dragons raise um, or the dragon raise um, tear to the ground. You know, have it suck all the souls and have your characters lost in the wilderness. As long as that's a, I mean, that's a good starting point, I guess. As long as there's a story there as well, too, something that they can get engaged with. You know, that they're so they're not wasting their time. Getting back to rule one, um, make it big and put them through the ringer. Um, they will thank you for it afterwards. It's like a good workout. You know, they're going to feel great afterwards. They may not enjoy the shit kicking they're going to get as they go through it. Um, okay, so then rule seven. Right to please one person. Again, this is not necessarily something specific for a one-shot, but, you know, go big with your ideas for the one-shot. It's got to be something memorable. So for the one-shot, make it something that you care about, that you think is interesting. And the players may, you know, if they don't, that's fine. You know, failed experiments are much better than not trying for them, you know. And um, uh, I lately have been approaching my one-shots with the perspective of like, can I do this in a one shot? You know, can I take this idea and make it work in a one shot? And um, you'd be surprised how often you can make satisfying one shots with those wild ideas. You do have to do some work. You do have to do, you know, apply a lot of these other rules to remorselessly cut stuff out. But I mean, you know, you can do that. You can introduce um, and and achieve a lot more in those one shots than you can. But you want to have a strong voice on it. 
You know, an example of that is, so one of my Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea games, I uh, the one-shot, um, first one I ran, actually, I decided to write a whole bunch of my own canon stuff. I made the setting for that story be the last outpost of Atlantis. Now, I don't, um, you know, they're, they're not, there's not hard and fast rules about Atlantis in the setting material, the canon setting material. But for me, that was a really interesting buy-in and a great way to make the... The, make the stakes, you know, make it important. Um, not only because it was, you know, the, the the things that the characters were facing and it were really impressive and important, but knowing that they were by achieving their goals, by surviving this encounter, they were destroying the last true remnants of Atlantis. Um, I had a player who, who said, you know, like, oh, I'm almost a little sad that this is happening, and that's awesome. I mean, that's exactly what I was I had in mind. I'm like, I want it to be both exciting and a big thing, but also a little sad that this is, we're seeing the end of an age, you know, with, uh, by the end of the session. And it was stuff that the players didn't give a shit about at the start of the session. So that, that, uh, I think was a successful, uh, session. And that was because I was being true to it. You know, uh, someone who is a purist who, uh, wanted to see only stuff that was true to canon and that wasn't rewriting a whole, or not necessarily rewriting, but adding a bunch of stuff that was not necessarily uh, implicit in the, uh, setting, um, that was me leaning into my authorial, you know, voice. That was me having a clear voice for what I wanted to do with that session. So, so that's it, right? To please one person. Um, and then the rule eight, um, give as much info as soon as possible to hell with uh, suspense. For a one shot, I agree with this. Um, now, that's not to say that you cannot reveal stuff over the course of a, uh, an adventure, you know, like I've had good one shots that have been sort of exploring the character as we go. But I think I agree with this. I think that you don't want to be, you know, uh, you want to be introducing because you've got limited time, introduce that information as you go. If you need to tell the players that they've been hired to do X job by, you know, Y space corporation, um, and that, uh, they expect X, Y, Z problems there. Just tell them that this is what's going on. The players are not, you're probably not going to be playing a one shot with people who have never played before. Um, and if you do, that's going to help them. I mean, if, if they're players who have played before, they're going to know, all right, this is what we're doing in this session. Here's what our, we're spending our time doing. If they've never played role-playing games before, then this is going to be a helpful way to help them understand what the heck you, the next four to six to eight hours is going to be about. So, um, yeah, give as much as soon as possible, but do it in, in, in the con, because it's a game, do it in the, in as engaging and as fun a way as possible. Start as close to the end of the story and don't waste their time. You know, introduce only what's necessary. Don't add, um, what I will say is in, in terms of the info, don't give them trivia. Give them stuff they need to know for the purpose of that story, that session. If elves have something really cool in your setting or the setting you're playing in, but it's not going to come up in that story, don't tell them about it. Don't incorporate it. It doesn't matter. It, what, what matters is whatever you've chosen to bring to that session, which gets us, I guess, to rule nine. Rule nine is... Um, pick the elements of the setting that you really want to highlight, the stuff that you love. You know, the things that um, that really made you pick up and want to run this game in terms of what's in the setting. That could be the type of characters you could play. That could be types of adventures you get on. That could be the settings itself. Could be a Star Trek game. Could be a Star Wars game. Whatever. Whatever is the cool stuff in the, se- in the setting. Pick the stuff you really think is the best and incorporate that in your story. Because that will, or your one-shot, that will allow the players to see and experience the stuff that you think is the most exciting about that. You know, if you think, say, Vampire Dark Ages is the coolest thing about that is 
um, you know, the whatever, whatever clan, the Lazambra clan at that time, you know, the Cappadocian clan at that time. God, they're cool. I love them. I can't wait to, you know, they really, that's an uh, element of the setting that I really love. Well, put that in, you know, put that thing in your story, figure out how you're going to get that in there and uh, make sure you make use of them. Um, if you think the travel rules, now let's get to the mechanics. That's rule 10 is the mechanics. Um, One Ring is a game I'm going to be running coming up pretty soon. It's got some really, really interesting travel rules. Travel, just like in Tolkien's stories, has, you know, it's, it's a big part of the game. It is really, has uh, flavorful rules and, uh, uh, and, and allows the characters to make some interesting decisions and have interesting experiences over the course of the travel. Um, that's a really cool part. So I really want to make sure that's a mechanic that sees its way to the table in my uh, one shot for that. And uh, if you've got a, another mechanic, like say, I don't know, like there's in Blades in the Dark, the planning of heist mechanics, that's really cool. So I always include that when I run Blades in the Dark as a one shot. You know, if, um, if you like random encounters, you know, if you're playing a version of D&D that has random encounters or uh, random, you know, uses morale mechanics, and that's something you find cool, and, and the players are not are used to other versions of D&D that don't have morale, you know, third edition going forward. Well, then incorporate that in there. When they see that one good hit results, you know, you dropped one of their, the, uh, you dropped the chieftain of the ogre tribe, and then, you know, the DM turfed the morale check, and they see them all run away. Well, that's awesome, you know, and you can tell the players, look, I, I, I let the dice fall where they may. It just so happens that you, this worked out, you know. That helps the players see in play a mechanic that you really wanted to to highlight. So when you're planning your one-shots, that's another thing to keep in mind. What's the mechanical stuff that I want to highlight? And I I guess conversely also, what are you going to have to deal with? If you've got a really complicated system, like here's an example. Uh, In... When I read the beta version of the most recent version of Legend of the Five Rings, the Fantasy Flight version that has the proprietary dice and whatnot, it read to me like a mess. I read it, I'm like, jeez, like who's going to run this? This is crazy. This is so complicated. There's so many different things moving here. Like there's no way this is going to run. Then I got the game and I got the, the starter set. And holy shit, is the starter set awesome. Like it does an amazing job of communicating here's what's awesome about these, uh, the rules that drive this game. And here's why you're going to want to play it again. And it, it was, I was completely wrong about that. The, the game is complex and it's got a lot of different things moving in it, but you can communicate that in a way that newbies, uh, both newbie DMs and newbie players can completely understand. And it's a great game. It's a really, really fun. It's, it's a, uh, to my money, the best implementation of the, narrative dice mechanic that Fantasy Flight has uh, has tried so far and uh, it also has some really fun OSR sensibilities to it in the sense that the 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 play of that uh, stuff at the table is um is really simplified you know it relies a lot on on adding a lot of story elements to it um obviously i mean it's People might disagree with my assessment of that having some old school sensibilities to it, but I I really felt that when I when I've run it uh, the handful of times. But anyway, I don't want to get distracted by talking about Five Rings, but um, I only mention that to say that there's ways to make even the most complicated and convoluted uh, rules manageable at the table. You just got to figure out how to do that in bite sized chunks. I'm going to do that with Rollmaster later this year. I still have Rollmaster on my list of games I want to run. And it's a bonkers complicated game. But I'm going to figure out a way to make that work using these rules. You know, using my rules, using pregens, obviously, and uh, slowly highlighting these things. 
um, the, the mechanics, I'm going to make that work. And I'm not going to include all the rules. Like You don't necessarily need to do that. You just need to have enough of the rules to feature the stuff that you think makes that game particularly cool. You know, the rules, the setting, and then all those other uh, um, rules. So, or the rules for writing, I'm I'm conflating rules and rules here. The mechanics of the the role-playing game uh, applied in in the context of the rules of uh, running one-shots. So that's all ten rules. A little shorter than uh, my usual episodes, I guess. But um, I'll maybe at the um, ending, I'll go through those rules again. I'm going to let it percolate for the day now. And um, I'll come back and I'll do the outro and a summary of these rules uh, as well and see if there's anything further I have to add. All right, so I think that's it. Ten rules for setting up your uh, one-shot RPG session. Uh, The rules, of course, are rule one, use a stranger's time well. So use your player's time well. Rule two, give readers or your players a character they can root for. Rule three, Every character should want something. Rule four, every sentence should reveal character or advance action. So every step or everything you include in the one-shot should um, move things forward or teach us more about these characters that the players are playing. Rule five, start close to the end. Give us only the best part of this story. Only the stuff that really matters for the time that's allowed. Rule six, be a sadist. Make bad things happen to these players so it can make it interesting and give them something to struggle against. Rule seven, write to please one person and have a voice when you're writing your one-shots. Rule eight, give as much info as soon as possible to hell with suspense. Rule nine, include the very best parts of your setting in your one-shot to highlight the things you like best about that game or setting. And rule 10, include the best mechanics that you like best about that game or setting. The things that really you think would um, come off the best in uh, in a one-shot. So that's it. 10 rules to help you make for a better one-shot. as always, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns regarding these uh, 10 rules um, or anything else about one-shots, if you've got rules that you think I've missed out on or I think I should add, please don't hesitate to leave me a message on Anchor or you can reach me on Twitter at Dungeon Musings or you can reach me on um, uh, by email. At, uh, G- sorry, at <laughs> the email address is dungeonmusings at gmail.com. And if you want to see some of these uh, principles put in play, I do have um, four different charity one-shot sessions that will be coming up in the coming months on the Dungeon Musings YouTube channel. So you can see those on there. Um, Otherwise, uh, as always, thanks so much for listening. Um, And um, if I don't hear from you beforehand, happy gaming.